0: How are we, church? You guys excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? All right, Germantown's exciting. What Excited, I should say. Exciting, too. But Washington, you guys excited? I heard them all the way from Washington. They're way louder than you guys are. I'm just kidding. Uh, my name is Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks. It's an honor and privilege to unpack with you and for you the Word of God. If you have your Bible, you can head over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That's where we will be camped out all morning. And I said last week that I've never met anyone who doesn't like their birthday because people give them gifts. I've never met that person. Maybe you're that person. It's okay. Don't tell me about it. I don't care. But I've never met that person. Because if you tell me, then I can't say that I've never met that person, right? So I've never met that person. Uh, Gifts are usually a good thing. We think of gifts as as a good thing. Like if you're if your kids spend a lot of time making something for you or creating something or writing a card or whatever it is and they give it to you, that's, that's a good thing. Or if your husband, you know, takes the time to go shopping and really, really think about what you want and doesn't, you know, doesn't just hit the click, you know, on the, on the Amazon thing that's just passing by him on a Facebook, but he really, he really like goes and, and does some shopping and some stuff. Um, gives you a gift that really matters. Guys, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out. Um, It's 12 days till Valentine's, all right? So um, you need to get, you need to bring your A game. You need to start thinking about this if you haven't already. Don't buy into the whole like, oh, it's okay. Don't get me anything. It's fine. Don't do that, all right? That's a trick. It's a trick. Um, It's a lie from the pit of hell. And so don't, don't buy into it. Uh, It's the oldest trick in the book. So just make sure that you get her something. It doesn't have to be Man, it doesn't have to be like rocket science, okay? It doesn't have to be a bunch of money. It could just be, you know, write her a note and tell her you love her or something. Do something on Valentine's Day. Okay, 12 days till Valentine's Day. Just trying to help you out. Just trying to help you out. Uh, but, you know, if, you're, if your kids or your husband, you know, spend a lot of time getting you this gift, making you this gift, finding you this gift, and, and they give it to you, that's a, that's a good thing, right? Gifts are good. Gifts are good things. Even more so, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, They should be they should be good, it should be fun to talk about, but... In our shared Christian history, the gifts of the Spirit have not been a fun topic to talk about. We've, they've caused division, and or we have caused division as we've talked through the gifts. Um, churches have split, and denominations have severed ties, and um, it's just been this divisive thing. It's been this divisive thing. It, it shouldn't be divisive, but it it has been. Divisive, and that's why a lot of churches don't even talk about it. They don't talk about the Holy Spirit. They they just kind of ghost the Holy Ghost when it comes to his gifts. They never talk about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 that we're talking about now. And it's just they, they just don't do it because they're scared of, of what it might cause and they've got some history. And I and I understand all that. I I understand all that. But I said last week that there are some ways, I get it, there are some ways that that giving gifts as a parent, that giving gifts can go badly, right? There are some ways that it goes bad, like if your kids are, you know, super self, selfish with their gift and they won't, they won't share or they don't like the gift you got them. They're jealous of their brother or sister's gift or, you know, they don't, whatever it is, there's, there's different ways. We talked about last week about, you know, if they don't know how to use the gift you give them, they're just ignorant and uninformed of how to use it. And so the, that gift goes into a closet, never to be played with, the toy never played with, the shirt never worn, whatever, that's, those are some ways that it could go bad. But there's another way that we didn't talk about last week. There's another way that it can go bad. If I give my kids a gift and they misuse that gift, right? They know how to use it. They just, they just misuse it. They use it inappropriately. That's a way that this can go bad. Like if I give my son Joshua a bike, I want him to ride the bike, right? I want him to I gave it to him to ride. I want him to ride the bike, just not in the house, Right? <laughs> And so if I come home and he's riding the bike in the house, I have to teach him and correct him and tell him he can't ride his bike in the house. Why? Not because I want to rob him of the joy of building a ramp out of tables and chairs and hopping the sofa. Like That's not, that's not why. It's because if he rides the bike in the house, he's going to break stuff. And one of the things he might break is his face. And I don't want that to happen. Right? It's for his safety. If I give one of my girls a pair of shorts, I don't want them to wear the shorts. I just don't want them to wear the shorts in the snow. Even if they're a middle schooler who carries their jacket all the time instead of putting it on. <laughs> Even if they're the middle schooler that just just wants to argue about like what what's the temperature? It's negative fifty. Put a jacket on. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the temperature is. It's winter. Even them, I don't want them to wear the shorts in the snow. Why? Because I don't want him to get sick. I want, I want my wife, Erin, to, to use the iPad I got her for Christmas. I just don't want her to use it as a Frisbee. I don't want her to use it as a cutting board for veggies, right? So misuse of the gifts. That's a way that that could go bad, the misuse of a gift. I, could, I don't think I understand why, why people are wary of the gifts of the Spirit. It's because they've seen or more than likely they've just heard of people misusing the gifts of the Spirit, right? They've heard of the issues that that causes, and so because of that, they've just run the other way. Whole churches, whole denominations, people, they've just run the other way, and they've decided to ghost the Holy Ghost when it comes to his gifts, when it comes to his His gifts. And so the goal of this Ghosted series is just to introduce you, or for some of you, reintroduce you, to, to the holy spirit to talk about the holy spirit and to in, invite you to invite him into your life his presence and his power and his gifting in order to carry out the mission god has given you to carry out on earth that's the that's the hope of this series and so The first three weeks, we talked about the the person, purpose, and power of the Holy Spirit. If you missed those, if you're just coming in, make sure you get those online because that's kind of the foundation of everything else. Then last week, we started talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to spend three weeks talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So last week, we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, and we used that as kind of just a foundation for what the gifts are and what the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are. This week, we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians 14 and talk about tongues and prophecy, because that's where the scripture leads us. And then next week, we'll circle back around to 1 Corinthians 13. So today is about tongues and prophecy. And listen, I understand that you may have, we, we as a church, we have different views on this. People have different thoughts on this, different experiences. I understand why it's been divisive in the past, but I want you to know that it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be. And so you may come with experiences and and ideas, and this is the way I grew up, and this is what I was taught, and and all of that. And that's, that's all fine. If you end up disagreeing with me at the end of today, like, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm totally okay. I come to find out people disagree with me all the time. I'm finding that out. And so it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. This is not a salvation issue. We can disagree about tongues and prophecy and both go to heaven and see each other in heaven and, and all of that. Like this is, not, this is not that. So it's nothing to get mad about. It's nothing to worry about. It is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. It is a big deal, but it's not that salvation type of an issue. And so you may disagree with me. The only thing I would ask is that you disagree with me from the word of God, because what I'm going to do today is what I always do, and that is preach the word. So we're going to go through 1 Corinthians 14 and preach what is there. And so if you have a differing view by the end of it, you just need to to make sure that that's not based on your experience. You know, what you heard one time, what you were taught as a kid, but instead it's based on the word of God. Is that fair? So we're just going to preach the word today. So let's get into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we'll start with verse 1 of chapter 14. Last week we talked about chapter 12, and we talked about how the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, are the Holy Spirit's enabling of any believer to exercise a gift in ministry with powerful result for the common good. And so we kind of broke that down. If you missed it, you can get it online. And the Apostle Paul ended chapter 12 by telling us to earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And he says, I'll tell you an even more excellent way. And then look at chapter 1 or chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, some of what we're going to read is, is, is confusing. But, but the key is going to be just to keep reading. Okay, just, just keep reading. Kind of sounds like Dora. No, not Dora. Dory. Dory. <laughs> just keep swimming. Just, I don't know if you have kids, you might have noticed that, but just keep reading. Okay. So verse one, chapter 14 says, pursue love. So pursue love. The, the goal of this is love. The foundation is love. The starting point is love. Pursue love because, because the gifts aren't for you. Then the operation of the gifts gifts should be the foundation of that should be love right selfless love these gifts aren't for you they're for the building up of the church the mission of Christ being accomplished the rescuing of lost people who are far from him who have yet to find what you have found in Christ and so the, the basis is love the starting point is love pursue love keep reading and earnestly desire the spiritual Gifts, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So that's a command in the Bible. Earnestly desire the spirit, pursue love, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So a natural question that would come out of that is, am I earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts? Am I asking the Holy Spirit to give me spiritual gifts so that I can carry out the mission of Christ, right? Let's let's keep reading. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. What? So prophecy's the best? So like a favorite gift. In the Bible, prophecy's the best. If you stop there, you may think that, but but you miss it, right? You, you miss it. Keep reading. Especially that you may prophesy. 4 verse 2, one who pro- speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. Okay, so so as we go through this, I'm going to try to give you a definition or I'm just going to try to talk to you about what what prophecy is and what tongues are. And so right there first first couple verses we find out that tongues can be uh, a prayer between a person and God in a language that they don't understand, mysteries in the spirit that, that nobody understands, okay? So we, we see that here, but that's not all of it. We have to keep reading verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Okay, so because these gifts are for the common good, for the mission of Christ to build up the church, to expand the, the kingdom of God through his church, because because of that, then you should seek to have gifts of the spirit that do that, that edify everybody, that build up the church, because love is, selfless love is the foundation for all of this, then the Apostle Paul is saying, whatever builds others up, that's what you should run after, that's what you should seek. Build others up. So, so it kind of seems like the Apostle Paul is a little bit against tongues, right? Like it kind of seems like he's against tongues. And that's where some of you have gone with this. You just kind of stop there in, in 1 Corinthians 14 and you go, ah, tongues are bad. No tongues, it's bad, let's just prophesy. What's funny, though, is that I don't see a lot of people against tongues prophesying. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Not seeing a lot of prophecy either. So are you against all of the gifts of the Spirit, or just tongues, and do you prophesy? So that's another question. But again, the key is to keep reading. Verse 5, now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Isn't that interesting? That God's word says that He wants us all to speak in tongues and to prophesy? Both? It's interesting, right? So a, a natural question that would come up as you're reading this is Do I do I speak in tongues? Do I prophesy? Do I do either of those things? Because it seems like he wants, us, he wants us to do both. Let's let's keep reading. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. So there you have it, pastor, like it's greater. So let's just do prophecy and forget tongues, right? Let's just forget tongues. Prophecy is better, but the sentence, the sentence isn't over, okay? We got to keep reading. The, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built uh, that unless there is kind of an important word, right? The word unless. So if I wrote you a note and I said, no one should drive a car. You may go around telling people, Pastor Jake thinks nobody should drive a car. He wants us to be Amish and we're supposed to like do horse and buggy and that church is getting weird. But we're not supposed to drive a car. Jake said, don't drive cars. Jake said, no one should drive a car. And I would say, hold up, I didn't say no one should drive a car. I said no one should drive a car unless they're sober. Do you see how the backside of that sentence really changes the meaning? The Apostle Paul did not say the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. He didn't say that. He said the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that. The church may be built up. The back side of that sentence changes the front side of that sentence, right? The unless changes everything. So now we know that tongues is not just a prayer between a person and God that can't be understood by anybody, but rather it can also be a message to the people of God interpreted by someone, right? It can be interpreted for the people, for the building up of the church. Okay, let's let's pause our reading in 1 Corinthians 14. And I just want to kind of give you what I believe prophecy and tongues are. So the, the the Corinthian church was off base in how they were using these two gifts. How they were using the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, but they understood what the gifts were. Whereas I'm not sure we understand what they are, right? Like what are tongues? What is prophecy? What's it talking about? So there's a little bit of a knowledge gap here. And so I just want to give you kind of my understanding uh, of, of what prophecy and what tongues are from the word. So you, could, you can find other uh, definitions. Uh, uh, you, you can write books on this, right? <laughs> like you, can, you can tweak it. You can add to it. You can do all of that. Uh, so it's not exhaustive at all. Uh, but I just want to kind of tell you what I'm thinking as far as prophecy goes based on the word and based on my experience. So first, prophecy. What is prophecy? Is prophecy what I'm doing now? Preaching the word? Teaching? proclaiming the word. Some people have said that's what prophecy is. The question is, what do we do with the, the separate gifts listed separately of preaching and teaching and prophecy? Those all the same thing? So I, I don't think, I, I think there is some prophecy to what I'm doing. I just don't think that that's all of it. I don't think that that's all of it. And so prophecy is a message. We'll start with that. Prophecy is, is a message to a specific group or individual, okay, specific group or individual. So, a message to a specific group. In other words, the message, the prophetic message is not for all people at all times and all places. You tracking with me? It's for a specific group or a specific individual. It's not only a message to a specific group or a specific individual, this message is spirit initiated. Spirit initiated. So it's the spirit that starts this thing. Not not only is it the spirit that says it, but even the idea of prophesying to someone, a group, or an individual is the spirit's. Okay, the spirit the spirit gives that idea. The Holy Spirit gives that idea. In other words, I'm not if I'm a, if I have a gift of prophecy, I'm not going. Okay, Johnny, come here. What what do I, I want to prophesy over Johnny? Johnny, 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 Johnny. What do I want to prophesy over Johnny? It's got to be something good and nice, and so. God's going to bless you and give you a bunch of money. See you later, Johnny. That's not the way prophecy works. It's not my idea to prophesy. It's spirit initiated. Are you tracking with me? It's spirit initiated. It's not only spirit initiated, but it's also spirit sustained. Spirit sustained. So it's going to, it's not going to fall flat. It's going to be true. It's going to ring true if it's a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit. So Spirit initiated, Spirit sustained message to a specific group. One more thing here in this equation, is, and that is that it is confirmed by the Bible and maybe others. Confirmed by the Bible and, and others. So spirit initiated spirit sustained message to a specific group of people confirmed by the bible and maybe others and so let me let me stay on that a little bit this is this is not going to contradict the bible this is not this is not going to supersede the bible or anything like that it's it's going to be confirmed by the bible and others and so two two quick points to make about that to hammer that that home, first is that this prophecy, this message, has no authority on its own. Has no authority on its own. It needs the Bible. There's no, it doesn't hold weight apart from the Bible, okay? And the second thing, the reason it has no authority on its own own is because it may contain carcinogens, no, no, I'm just kidding, may contain error, carcinogens. It may contain error, Right? from the imperfect vessel that is delivering the message, okay? That's why it doesn't have authority on its own, and it needs to be confirmed by the Bible and maybe by others. So this is, this is prophecy, spirit-initiated, spirit-sustained message, confirmed by the Bible and others to a specific group. To a specific group. And we saw in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 14 that the purpose of this and all the spiritual gifts is for encouragement, he says, consolation, building up of the church or of the believer in Jesus. And so that's the purpose. So so if you're if you think you have a, a gift of prophecy, like and you're walking around going, like, Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not like something like that. Okay, you probably just sit down. Just no. Okay, you don't, that's not, so you're not Isaiah. You're not Zephaniah or Joel or Amos. You're not an Old Testament prophet. That office has closed. And so if you, if you like are going around also like pointing out people's sin and calling it prophecy, if you're going around like, hey, I know about your sin, I'm a prophet. Let me tell you about, you need to repent. You need to stop doing that. You need to do this or that. If that's what you're doing, you're not a prophet. You're just a jerk. All right? And so that's not not the same thing, okay? You go be a jerk for Jesus... That's not it. no, we don't do that. So you're not, you're not a prophet. The, the prophecy, like we're talking about in the New Testament, is always, it's encouraging and building up. Do we call sin out in the family of believers? Absolutely, we call sin out. But it always happens in relationship, and it's laid out. The process for calling sin out is laid out real nice in Matthew chapter 18. Okay, so just go read Matthew chapter 18, and you'll see that it's a little separate from what we're talking about. So the purpose is building up, and I think I have, I have one more, or I have time to say one more thing about this, and that is that although prophecy is given at different times in different places for uh, different reasons and for the moment, it's spirit initiated, it's spirit sustained, uh, it still should not be, it, it shouldn't, we shouldn't expect it. As the way that we hear from God. So here's what I'm saying. Should it be common? Absolutely. I believe the gifts of the Spirit should be common in the church. We should see prophecy. It should be common. But should it be primary? No. It should not be primary. So the primary way you hear from God should not be from a prophet or a vision or a dream. The primary way you hear from God should be from his word to you right that's that's the primary way so if you're if you're sitting around waiting for a prophet to show up before you move before you do anything waiting for a vision or a dream you're off base you don't have to wait you don't have to wait to know what to do with yourself and what to do with your life wait for a prophet or a vision or a dream you have god's word this is god's word written to you. It's right here. So your wisdom for life, your decision-making ability, all of that, your knowledge, it should come from the word of God. This is the primary way that God speaks to us is through, he's chosen to speak to us is through his word. And so if you're a grown man sitting around wondering if you should get a job waiting for a prophetic word or a vision or a dream, You don't need to wait anymore. Let me prophesy to you, okay? Like, don't wait for prophecy. Just open up the Bible to 1 Timothy 5 that says a worker deserves his wages. So if you want to get paid, you need to get off of the couch and stop playing Call of Duty 37 and go get a job. All right? Go get a job. Like, you don't need a prophetic word for that, man. You you don't need a prophetic word to know that you are to love and romance and sacrifice for your wife. It's in the Bible. It's already clear. It's already decided. You don't need a prophetic word for that. You don't need a prophetic word, beloved, to know that you are not to be a stingy, close-handed, selfish little toddler. You don't need a word for that. The Bible is clear. We as Christ followers are to be generous open-handed giving people you don't need you don't need the a prophetic word for that or a vision or a dream or, or anything else and so prophecy is given at times to augment and complement the word of god. thank god we have prophecy it's not i'm not saying we don't need it i'm just saying that the word of god is the primary way by which god speaks to us and you may say well If that's the case, wouldn't it be easier just to not do prophecy? Just read the word? Let's just stick to the word, pastor. Well, it's impossible to do both of those things. Because if we're going to stick to the word, it's the word that says that we should desire the spiritual gifts. It's the word that says... That prophecy is one of the ways that God speaks to us. So if we're going to stick to the Bible, we not only have to allow the gifts of the Spirit, but we have to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Hopefully you're hearing kind of a biblical balance between these two things. So that's prophecy. Let me talk to you about the the gift that you probably came to hear about today, um, which is the gift of helps and administration. You guys ready? So we're going to talk about the gift of, of, of teaching and preaching. You guys good with that? No, we're going to talk about the gift of tongues, all right? We're going to talk about the gift of tongues. Let me give you just my understanding from the scriptures of tongues. I see in the Bible three types of tongues. So last week in 1 Corinthians 12, we saw the Apostle Paul say various types of tongues. What are these various types of tongues? And so I I just see three types of tongues in the Bible. The first one's the easiest one to understand. It's when a person is speaking to a group of people in an earthly language, we'll call it an earthly language. Language that they do not know, but the people they're speaking to do know. So, this would be like you going to China, not knowing a lick of Chinese, and all of a sudden, in order to spread the gospel, in order to tell somebody about Jesus, you miraculously know Chinese and you start to speak it. That's what this would be like. Or you speak what you think is your native tongue, English or whatever, and they understand you miraculously in their native tongue, so that they can hear the gospel and give their lives to Jesus. This is what is happening in Acts chapter 2. When the apostles go out and they start to preach and everybody understands them in their in their native language, right? So this is the easiest one to understand. The next two are really what the apostle Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 14, when he's writing to the Corinthian church. And there's some confusion between these two. So this is really This is really what what he's talking about. So so the second kind of tongues is kind of an ecstatic overflow of the Spirit that results in the speaking of another language to God. The speaking of another language to God that the speaker, the person praying, doesn't understand, but God does understand, and, and, and not just the speaker, but no one understands this. And so in, in 1 Corinthians 13, we'll see it next week, he, the Apostle Paul calls this the tongues of angels. We'll just call it uh, a heavenly language. We're not saying that angels are actually speaking this language necessarily. We're just saying that it's different than an earthly language, okay? So I'm just juxtaposing. You guys good with that word? Juxtaposition. just came out, all right? Juxtaposition. All right, I'm just juxtaposing those against each other. So earthly language, heavenly language, this one's to God. The Bible says that that you're building yourself up. Listen, when you read the word by yourself and pray to God in English, you're building yourself up. So let's not pretend that building yourself up isn't a good thing, okay? Building yourself up in your holy faith, that's what this is talking about. And so this is you building yourself up in your holy faith. This is a, all three of these are good. They are good gifts From a good God who loves you and wants to draw you closer to him. So I pray in tongues. Jake Mills, I pray in tongues every single day. Just about every single day. And the gift of tongues, we've called this at times a prayer language or praying in tongues. That has drawn, I can testify, that has drawn me closer to Christ. It's something I do privately between me and God. And it draws me closer to Jesus. It's a good, good thing. It's a good, good thing. The third thing, the third way, the third kind of tongues is when a person speaks to a group or an individual, it's also similar to this, it's, it's an ex, kind of an ecstatic overflow of the spirit that results in speaking in a language that the person speaking doesn't understand, it's a heavenly language, and the people listening don't understand, but it's a message like prophecy from God to people, and so God provides uh, an interpreter. He provides a different group, an interpreter here through another gift of the Spirit who do understand what's happening. God miraculously gives them the ability to understand this, this heavenly language. And then they speak to the people in an earthly language. And the people understand. Track it with me? So this is what's happening in the book of 1 Corinthians what's happening in the Corinthian church is that there are there is a confusion between number 2 and number 3 right There are people speaking in tongues, praying in tongues loudly around other people, and there is no interpretation for everyone else to understand. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, do that, pray in tongues, just don't do it with a bunch of people around because it doesn't make sense. Instead, you should prophesy. If that's all you got, then you should prophesy. Or you should have somebody with the gift of interpretation interpret that message so that everybody understands. So these are, the, these are kind of the three types of tongues that I see presented in the Bible. Everybody with me so far? All right. Let's look at verse 6. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. You'll see kind of more of what I'm talking about as the Apostle Paul continues to instruct and correct the Corinthian church. He says, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, how will, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? for you will be speaking into the air. Verse 10, there are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. If I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Ruguon Am I right? I didn't just speak in tongues. I spoke in Mandarin Chinese. And I said, if you use a language that your hearers don't understand and you don't have an interpreter, it does no good. The Apostle Paul is saying that same thing about the gift of tongues. If you're speaking in tongues, but there's no interpretation, nobody can understand you, and it doesn't do any good. It doesn't make any sense. Beloved, do you want to see God move? Do you want to see the manifestation of the Spirit as he just said? Do you want to see lives transformed and the world changed for Christ? He goes, guys, you're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit. Since you're so eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, make it your goal to edify the church. Build the church. If you want to see God move, make it your goal to build the church. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Don't do stuff that doesn't make sense, that doesn't build the church. If you have a message in tongues, it should be interpreted so that the church would be built up. That's what your goal should be. Remember, first verse of chapter 14, pursue love. You should be pursuing love. This should be about the common good. This should be about others giving their lives to Jesus. That's what this should be about. In the next few verses, he, he says that, that you should do both. He says, pray in an earthly language so that people understand you. Pray in tongues uh, so that you build yourself up. And then, you, you know, have an interpretation. If there's people around, you should, and you're praying in tongues, you're speaking in tongues, you should have this interpretation. He says, do both. Do both. And listen to what he says in verse 18 and 19. He's getting us to a biblical balance here. And he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Okay, so the Apostle Paul is not against tongues. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but that makes sense to me. I'd rather speak five words to instruct and help then blab 10,000 words in a language you cannot understand. Does that make sense? Without interpretation, what's the point, right? What's the point? In the next few verses, he describes a situation where where he says, what if an unbeliever shows up? What if an unbeliever shows up to your gathering, and everybody's just like yelling in tongues, and he doesn't understand? He's going to think you guys are crazy. That's basically what the Apostle Paul says. He's going to think if there's no interpretation, he's going to think you're crazy. He goes, instead... Prophesy. Give a word in a language that everybody can understand. Prophesy. And the Apostle Paul says that then this unbeliever will understand. He'll realize that God is in your midst. And the Apostle Paul says he will fall on the ground and give his life to Jesus. Beloved, these miraculous gifts of the Spirit are supposed to cause unbelievers to fall on their face before the Lord and surrender their lives over to Jesus. I will keep beating this drum. The manifestations of the Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not so that you can get Holy Ghost goosebumps. It's not so that you can feel all the feels It's not so that you can leave service and go, wow, that was so great. I feel so great. No, it's for the mission of Christ on earth, beloved. It's for lost people to come and find Jesus. It's for the church and the kingdom of God to expand and expand and take back territory from the enemy so that souls, lives, families will be transformed and their eternal destinies changed. That's what this is about. It's not about you. It's about the mission of Christ on earth. Okay, look at the last part. After all that, after a a little bit of back and forth, Paul writes this in verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn. And let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak... Himself and to God, let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. You can all prophesy one by one. He's going just slow down. That there's enough cookies for everybody. Just slow down. One, one, two, three people at a time. But you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And listen to this: the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What that means is that it's not like you're possessed when you prophesy or when you speak in tongues, and you can't help but to stand up and yell, all right? That's not, that's not the way this works. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. Your spirit, your, your will is still subject to you in this moment, so you can decide to do it in order and in a good way. Then he says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So... The gathering of the church, this gathering right here, it's supposed to be a place where all of the gifts of the spirit are in operation and used, used, but used correctly, not in confusion. So if you're speaking in tongues, you should have an interpreta- you should have somebody interpret so that everybody can understand. If you're praying to God with no interpretation, he's saying, do that. Just don't do it in the assembly of the church. When you're together, there should be an interpretation. Why? To, to build up the body. So he goes, you should have hymns and prophecy, and, and you should have maybe a song, and you should get, get together, and there should be you know, tongues and some interpretation. And, and all this stuff is happening together to build up the church. And then look at how this whole three-chapter-long thing on the gifts of the Spirit, the most thorough in the Bible, the most detailed in the Bible, look how it ends. Verse 39. So, the Apostle Paul writes, My brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. Decently. And in order. God is not a God of confusion. God will not interrupt himself. There's no competition to get the message out or the certain gift used. He's not a God of disorder, but of order, right? He's a God of order. The church is supposed to be this place where all of the gifts of the Spirit are used decently and in order for the glory of Christ, for the mission of Christ on earth, for the sake of lost people, for the sake of discipling those who have found Jesus. It's supposed to be about that. The the church is supposed to be this place where all of the gifts of the Spirit are used in for Jesus correctly. I think I understand Why some of you are wary about the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, especially tongues and prophecy, I I think I understand. It's it's because you've seen something go bad. You've seen the misuse of a gift. You've maybe heard about the misuse of a gift and and the issues that's caused. And so you've just kind of run in the other way. I I understand that. But I want to give you one thing to think about. Misuse does not nullify proper use. Misuse does not nullify proper use. If I give my son Joshua a bike for his birthday, and I come home and he's riding that bike inside, trying to jump the sofa, here's what I don't do. I don't say, that's it. You're never going to ride a bike your whole life. You're done. No more bikes. I don't do that. I definitely don't do this. Joshua, what are you doing riding the bike in the house? Wow, Aaron, come here. I think bikes are intrinsically evil, don't you? Let's just not let anybody in the whole world ever ride a bike. Bikes have ceased to exist from this day forward. I don't do that, do I? What do I do? No, I I just correct. I just I just teach him the right way to use the gift. He misused it. I teach him the right way to use it. That's all I do. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians. The, the church at Corinth had gotten off base on the way they were using the gifts. So he's writing to correct and to teach. And he doesn't say, don't use the gifts. They're too dangerous. Don't use them. Don't prophesy. Don't speak in tongues. You guys are crazy. You should just settle down and don't use them. He doesn't do that. Instead, he teaches them how to use them properly. He teaches them how to use them properly because misuse does not nullify proper use, does it? Beloved, I I want you to go home and study this for yourself and make your own decisions, but I will say this. I, I believe God gives the gifts of the Spirit because we need them. I want to be clear. I would love for all of the gifts of the Spirit to be in use, proper use and operation at Great Oaks Community Church. Decently and in order. I'm not going to freak out if one of them's not used. I'm not definitely not going to manufacture anything. And I have no agenda other than us being the church that God calls us to be in his word. But I would love for all of the gifts of the spirit to be used and in, in operation correctly at Great Oaks Community Church. So, do you prophesy? You have the gift of prophecy? You have the gift of tongues? You have the gift of healing or discernment or something else, interpretation, something else? And I would love for that to be used at Great Oaks Community Church. For the glory of God, for the mission of Christ on earth, I believe we need it. And maybe you're new to this whole thing and you're going like, I don't, I don't know what my gift would be. I'm kind of new to this thing. That's okay. Because really, if we're, if we're reading 1 Corinthians 14, it seems like all of us, whether we're mature in Christ, been walking with Christ for a long time, open to the Holy Spirit, or none of those things, should all be doing the same thing. We're all on the same footing. We should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts for the sake of the mission of Christ on earth. That's, we should all be doing So That's okay. If you're new to this thing, you don't know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. So, so hear me. God likes giving these gifts like a dad to a son. He he likes to give the gifts of the Spirit. And while you may not speak in tongues or prophesy right now, I, I guarantee you he has already given you gifts and abilities and talents and resources and experiences that you're supposed to be using to expand the kingdom of God on earth, to carry out the mission of Christ on earth in your community, to seek and save the lost through the local church that he's called you to. He's already given you those gifts. So so start using them right here, right now. Start using them right here, right now, and then I believe God may want to give you one of these miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, like we call them. And he wants to use you in that way, and that that would be great. So hey, you have, a, you have a word of prophecy for someone? Go tell them. Don't, don't be weird. Don't, don't speak in King James. Don't, don't walk up and be like, thus saith the Lord. Why are you talking to me like that? Don't do that. Just walk up and say, hey, I feel like God wanted me to tell you this. And you decide if it's God or not. I'm just trying to be obedient. Here's what God said. Just do that. Do you have a word of prophecy for the church as a whole? Don't yell it out. Instead, write it down. Submit it to the leadership God has placed over this church. Give it to a pastor. We'll talk about it. We may deliver that word right then. We may deliver it next week. We may never deliver it. But you step out in faith if God has given you that gift. Do you feel like you have a gift of tongues, for messages to the church, to edify the church, to build up the church? Or a gift of interpretation? That's a little bit trickier, isn't it? You can't write in tongues. And if you could, I couldn't understand it. That was a little tongues joke. (laughs) So if you feel like you have that gift, come talk to us. Talk to a pastor. We'll talk to you about the best ways to use that gift. Maybe... Maybe it's in a prayer service or a life group. Maybe maybe it's in here. Maybe it's on a Sunday morning. You're going to step out in faith and deliver a message in tongues. And somebody else is going to step out in faith and deliver an interpretation. And and somebody's going to give their lives to Jesus because of it. And listen, if that happens, I'll lead us through that. It's okay. I'll lead us through it. And we won't be perfect. We will make mistakes Were that to happen. But when I give my kids a gift or teach them something and they go a little crazy with it, I don't freak out. I just teach them. They're learning. I just teach them. Listen, I'd way rather Joshua ride the bike I gave him in the house, be corrected, and then ride it outside, than to never ride his bike at all. And I think maybe that's how God feels about the gifts of the Spirit. At all of our campuses, Washington, Germantown, online, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Your word that is timeless and timely, it never changes and it always changes us. As always, God, my prayer is that whatever is of me in this message would be forgotten quickly. But whatever's of you, whatever's of the Holy Spirit, that it would like a seed find in the hearts of many good soil, that it would take root and bear fruit even soon, that we would be challenged. So for the Jesus followers in the room, I just ask that, You would draw us closer to yourself, Holy Spirit, that we would be open to being used by you to step out of our comfort zone because the mission of Christ, your mission is that important because the the idea, the thought of lost people dying without you moves us enough to step out and go, man, I want to be equipped as much as possible by the Holy Spirit to carry out the mission of Christ. So draw us out of our comfort zone for you for your glory, for your mission. For those who aren't Jesus followers in this room, I confess I I feel like this message is talking about, I don't know, trigonometry before we talk about subtraction and addition. For those who are new to Christ or, or have yet to give their lives over to you, Jesus, so I just pray that maybe today as we talked about the mission of Christ and the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit aiding us in that mission, that, that that cause would woo them, would attract them, would move them closer to you today. And that maybe there would be a person in here who just wants something real. They feel a a gap, a hole, a void in their life. What they've been doing over and over and over ain't ain't working. It's not, they, they, they feel like they're called to more. They feel like they're created for more. And so in talking about these miraculous gifts, maybe maybe they would run to you today. Maybe they would hear within that the gift of your son, Jesus. So I pray for that person that today would be the day of their salvation and, and a message on tongues and a message on prophecy and a message on the gifts of the Spirit, that today they would accept your gift, your son. They would surrender their life to him. They would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And step out in faith from this day forward. We love you. We give this all into your hands and we trust you with it. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're out of time and we got another service and so we're not gonna sing our last song, but we've got prayer workers at the side that would love to pray for you. We've got pr- plenty of time for that. Before you head out though, here's my prayer for us today. May our fear surrounding the gifts of the spirit be replaced with faith. May we see the gifts of the Spirit at Great Oaks so that the mission of Christ would be carried out in power. And may we do all things decently in order for the purpose of expanding God's kingdom on earth. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Make sure you talk this over with your life group. Should be an interesting discussion. If you're not in a life group, stop at Connection Central will get you plugged in. As always, my challenge to you is to leave here, not dismissed, but sent a Jesus follower, who makes in disciples other Jesus followers, I will never tell you that we're not doing the last song before I do that all stuff, okay? Because you guys are out. I said no song, and you're like, ah, oh. all right? So I learned my lesson. Next time, I won't do that, all right? We're going to sing a song. Just kidding. We're not. See you later. Enjoy the game.